Tipping culture has gone too far. We've all seen this building for a long time. It happens everywhere, any store you go to. You go to the cafe, you go to the grab-and-go restaurant. Once it happened to me at a donut shop. The clerk is there, and you complete your transaction, and then he flips the iPad around, and he says, oh, just press a few buttons. Plays dumb. Do whatever you want to do. That's fine. Okay. Yesterday, this reached a whole new level. I was on my way to Cornell. I spoke at Cornell last night. It's going to be aired tonight on the YAF YouTube channel. But I'm on my way to Cornell. I'm at the airport. There's a little store called Chibo Express. So I go in to get a drink, and there is no employee in the stop. I, I go, I reach in, I say, I want an iced tea. There's no iced tea. Okay, that's fine. I get a Perrier. So I, I take it to the self-checkout kiosk and I scan the Perrier. And then it says to me, how much would you like to tip? There was nobody I could have tipped. There was only the robot. The robot asked me for a tip. 18%, 20%, maybe 25%. And now I'm kicking myself because I did not tip, even though I'm fairly certain that the robots will take over the whole country. So now that means I could have curried good favor with our future robot overlords, but instead I did not. And so now I am wait, waiting for those random robot overlords to come and exact their revenge. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. Huge story that Steven Crowder broke about the trans manifesto in Nashville. I will get to that in one second. Also, this episode is brought to you by Good Ranchers. Claim your year of free meat, $15 off in free shipping with my code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, at GoodRanchers.com. That is GoodRanchers.com, promo code Knowles. Today, my least favorite part about being on the road, that I cannot eat Good Ranchers as much as I would like to. I also miss my wife and children. But part of being with my wife and children a lot of the time is eating Good Ranchers. So look forward to that when I get back home. Uh, Speaking of law and order, we'll get to the big story, obviously. We'll get to the trans manifesto in just a moment. Speaking of law and order, though, I'm here at Cornell. And Cornell just a week ago saw a kid make threats against Jewish students here and say he wants to kill all the Jewish men and do horrible things to the Jewish women. And he's going to go start shooting people. And they found him. They arrested him. He faces five years in prison for the threats. He's a 21-year-old. He faces a quarter million dollar fine. He faces a term of supervised release of up to three years after he serves his prison sentence. And some people might suggest amid our enthusiasm for free speech, that this is not great because it's a restriction on speech and I might not support what you say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it or whatever nonsense. No, of course that is not the case. Nobody has the right to make threats against people. Threats have never been protected speech. There are a lot of things that have never been protected speech in America. Obscenity, libel, all sorts of other things too. This is the subject of my book, Speechless. No? Okay. All right. On the road, they don't don't have it here at Cornell. Uh, But I have no problem with the cops arresting this kid for making threats against Jewish students. My only problem is that we don't do this more broadly. 
The same should go for threats against Christian students, threats against conservatives, threats against people who mildly criticize transgender ideology. There are a lot of people in America who receive all sorts of threats and the cops do nothing. I've experienced this firsthand. Matt Walsh has experienced this probably five to 10 times at least what I've experienced in terms of people really making ghastly threats against him. And the cops do not, he reports it to the cops. They take it very seriously. The cops do nothing. So I'm all for uh, prosecuting these kinds of people. But the lesson we should learn here from Cornell is that we don't do that nearly enough. And, and we ought to do it uh, in support of all sorts of politically unpopular groups as well. Speaking of freedom of speech, really, really sad story out of Britain. Just after I flew out of London, just the day, I think it was the very day I flew back from London this past week, there was a massive pro-Palestine protest in London. There were also some pro-British protesters. So while there were people waving the Palestine flag, there were people waving the Union Jack. And the people waving the Union Jack were British military veterans. And the cops came up and told them that they couldn't wave their flag. They didn't say that to the pro-Palestine protesters. They said that to the British military veterans. Here's why. And yet when they march down with hundreds of Palestinian flags, you won't say a word. There's way more of them than there are of us. No, it's displaying on these bar barriers. I oh, know, but he's driving a motor. We're talking about these barriers. It's not about the motors. I'm just talking about the barriers. They were flying them off Churchill the other day. You didn't do nothing then, did you? I wasn't there. No, no you wasn't there, but you didn't yeah, do nothing. No. And the veterans, some of them wearing their full military fatigues. At least the, the younger cop, or the cop on the left, he's saying, yeah, yeah, it's not fair. But there's more of those guys than there are of us, so we can't put them in their place. We're going to put you in your place. Because there aren't that, that many British military veterans out here. Very, very sad story. That's democracy for you, I guess. That's, that's, he's saying, yeah, we're overruled by the mob. And so in your own country, British veterans who have risked your lives to defend this island nation, you don't get the right to political speech, even the most basic political speech, which is to wave your flag and support your country. But those guys who are foreigners, who are pledging their allegiance to a foreign, it's not even a foreign nation. It's a foreign would-be nation, but at the very least, it's a foreign people. They get the political rights that you risked your lives for, the rights that you do not get yourselves. We need to pray for our nations around the West. When you want to pray, one great way to do it is to check out Hallow. Right now, go to hallow.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. With everything going on in the world, there is no better time to build a daily habit of prayer and meditation. Building a habit of prayer can help you cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Focusing on what you are thankful for can increase positive emotions and improve overall well-being. Also, you owe it to God to pray, <laughs> so you should pray. Hello is the number one Christian prayer app in the United States. It's helped so many people to maintain a daily prayer routine. It can help you too. Download the app for free at hallow.com slash Knowles. You can set prayer reminders and track your progress along the way. Not sure where to start? Check out Father Mike Schmitz's Bible in a Year, available on the Hallow app for brief daily readings and reflections. Or 
pray alongside Mark Wahlberg, Jim Caviezel, even some world-class athletes. With Hello, you can customize a personal prayer plan that works for you. Listen wherever you are with downloadable offline sessions. Using Hallow to connect with others who share your beliefs and values can provide a sense of belonging, support, and foster a sense of community. Hallow just added a section on their app called Prayers for Peace for Israel. They have several prayers to help people pray for peace in Israel. Download Hallow at hallow.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Get an exclusive three months free. That is three months absolutely free at hallow.com slash Knowles. The decay of British democracy reminds me of, it reminds me of a clip from that Indian guru guy. He had a documentary made about him. He's kind of a cult leader here in America. He, he has an increasingly persuasive theory on democracy. Democracy basically means government by the people, of the people, for the people. But the people are retarded. That was the fear of our founding fathers. That was the fear of the framers of our constitution. That if you had too much democracy, it could turn into mob rule. And Polybius writes about this, that the decay of the good forms of government, monarchy, aristocracy, and democracy, would be tyranny, oligarchy, and mob rule. When the difference being that in the good forms of government, people are ruling for the common good. In the bad forms of government, they're ruling merely for their self-interest. And that's what we're seeing here. People ruling without any care for the common good. Great Britain, the United Kingdom, who cares about that? No, you don't even, we don't even let the military vets wave their flags. But whatever hordes of foreigners want to come in and wave the flags of other peoples in other places, yeah, that's fine. Why? Because there's more of them than there are of us. What a condemnation. Now, speaking of democracy, there's a new poll out from New York Times and Siena College. The libs are not going to like this. The people back in candidates other than the front runner in the GOP primary for president are not going to like this. Trump is leading not only the primary challengers, but he's leading Joe Biden, not just nationally, but in multiple states, not just any states, but swing states. So this, according to the New York Times, where is it? Here we go. Nevada, Trump 52, Biden 41. Georgia, Trump 49, Biden 43. Arizona, these are all crucial states. Trump 49, Biden 44. Michigan, Trump 48, Biden 43. Pennsylvania even, Trump 48, Biden 44. Wisconsin is the one swing state listed here where Biden is still winning, 47 to 45. So, you know, within two percentage points, statistically, it's a dead heat. This shows what I have suspected from the beginning, which is that in a fair election, Donald Trump has a decent chance of winning. I'm not saying it's guaranteed. I'm not saying he's going to win by a bazillion votes. I'm not saying he's going to win by a huge margin in the Electoral College. I'm just saying in a fair election, Donald Trump has a decent chance of winning. In a rigged election, he has a very weak chance of winning. And as of today, it seems to me that the election will still be fairly rigged because they rigged it during 2020. They used COVID as the excuse and they changed the rules to favor Democrats and to leave the possibility of ballot fraud open. And Democrats are better at stuffing the ballot box than Republicans are. 
and they're better at stealing elections than Republicans are. So right now, it seems that the election might be fairly rigged. So if these numbers are to be believed, then the libs are going to have to go even further to rig the election. And the way that they're going to do that is that they're going to delegitimize Trump. And that has been the strategy from the beginning. That's what all of these prosecutions are about. If they can get Trump on federal charges, great. If they can get him on state charges, great. If they can say that he mishandled classified documents and he's a traitor, great. If they can say that he tried to steal the election by calling the Secretary of State of Georgia, great. If they can take away his business, great. If they can say that he got handsy with a gossip columnist 50 years ago, they'll do that too. It just, it's all about delegitimizing him as a political person, saying that it, it's not even acceptable to consider voting for him. And so Salon.com is, is following this thread here. And the argument is, far-right MAGA theocrats are the most dangerous threat to America. So at a time shortly after Hamas terrorists uh, slaughtered over a thousand Israeli civilians, children, women, the elderly, at a time when the terror threat is a little bit higher right now. Uh, Salon.com is countering this fact by saying, no, no, you think Hamas is bad. You think Hezbollah is bad. No, no, no. The, the real threat are the far-right MAGA people. And the way you know you're, they're trying to compare them to the Muslims is they're, they're calling them MAGA theocrats. And whatever you want to say about Donald Trump, he's not a theocrat, right? He's a apparently lapsed Presbyterian. I don't think anyone has ever said that Donald Trump is part of the religious right. You know, he's marching in lockstep with Jerry Falwell or some hard right Christian conservative person. Far from it. The knock on Trump is that he's lived a kind of playboy libertine lifestyle, even though he's, he's been great and advanced a lot of Christian priorities. So that's why they say it's the far right MAGA theocrats, but they can't really go after Trump on it. So they've got to go after someone else. They previously would go after Mike Pence, but Pence is obviously long, long off the Trump train. So now they're going against Mike Johnson. They're saying, this is the first line of the article, even Mitch McConnell is trying to push back against Mike Johnson and the MAGA wing of the GOP. It isn't working. And they go on and on and on about uh, the FBI issuing a warning of terror attacks and blah, 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 blah. But actually the real threat are these nice, meek Christian conservatives. Does anybody believe this? Does anybody believe that nice Mike Johnson or nice previously Mike Pence or some just ordinary Christian conservative is the biggest terror threat in America? No. But if the liberals can convince just enough people in just enough positions of power that Donald Trump should not even be considered for the presidency, that judges should try to disqualify him, that secretaries of state in the various states should take him off the ballot, that big tech should not platform his dangerous speech, then maybe then uh, the people won't have a chance to vote for him. Then maybe then the people won't have sufficient information about the campaign, then maybe then they won't have to deal with the problem that is glaring them in the face from the polls, the, the problem that they've been trying to deny for years now, which is that Trump is popular, that people like him, 
They thought he couldn't possibly win in 2016. That's why they encouraged him to be the GOP nominee, because he was going to be the easiest one to beat, and then President Hillary was, was going to walk in, and none of that happened. Trump won, and so they said, yikes, we can't let this happen again. So they rigged it in 2020, and now they're trying to take him off the ballot. If they thought the guy would just lose at the ballot box, they wouldn't be trying to delegitimize him in this way. Now, getting to the most important story of the day. This is the scoop of the year, and it comes from Steven Crowder. This, I, I would say that this is the biggest scoop in three years, five years. It's certainly up there. It's in the top three. I think probably the biggest news scoops of the last three, four years were the New York Times, New York Times, excuse me, they, they don't scoop anything. They just repeat the propaganda they hear from the Biden administration. The, the biggest scoops would be the New York Post with the Hunter Biden laptop story. I would say up there would be our own story that we broke, the Loudoun County trans rape in the school story that I think did a lot to help get Glenn Youngkin elected governor and that I think blew the lid off a lot of the trans propaganda. And this story, which I guess is related to the trans propaganda story. Steven Crowder was able to get a leak of the manifesto from the trans shooter who shot up that Christian school here in Nashville, Tennessee and killed innocent little children. And the FBI didn't want to release the manifesto because it didn't fit the narrative. The shooters are supposed to be far right wing. They're supposed to be men, neo-Nazi, disturbed men who listen to conservative media. That's what it's got to be. And that wasn't the case here. In the case of the Nashville shooter, she was a trans-identifying leftist who seems to have hated Christians, seems to have hated white people, seems to have hated conservatives, seems to, seems to have bought into a left-wing narrative. And here's the evidence. According to the leak, which Daily Wire has said is genuine, we don't have confirmation confirmation, but it certainly seems real. Some of the quotes are, kill those kids, three exclamation marks. Those crackers going to private fancy schools with those fancy khakis and sports backpacks with their daddy's Mustangs and convertibles. This is a 28-year-old woman who wrote in her diary on February 3rd, all those things. I wish to shoot your weak ass, D-I-C-K-S, with your mop yellow hair. Want to kill all you little crackers. Bunch of little with your white privileges. That's another line from the diary. I hope I have a high death count, ready to die, ha, ha, ha. Okay. This person is obviously disturbed, possessed, or at the very least mentally ill. No question. Obviously, the person's mentally ill. This woman thinks she's a man. So, yes, she, there's no doubt. But beyond the obvious mental illness, just the language. Is this right-wing language or left-wing language? When some crazy shooter shoots up a place and is quoting Hitler or is quoting some right-wing figure or whatever. All the news are going to report this is a far right-wing ideologue speaking in far right-wing language and it was inspired by the far right-wing people. Well, okay, ask yourself, reading this language, crackers, those private fancy schools, I want to shoot you little crackers with your white privilege. White privilege. What kind of language is this? Is this the language of a far right winger or is this the language of a leftist? Obviously a leftist. This is someone steeped in leftist ideology and 
who engages in leftist behavior. That's why there was a cover-up. That's why the FBI refused to release this. Daily Wire requested this multiple times. We were shut down every step of the way. The FBI wanted to cover it up because it, it isn't a clear example, putting even the mental illness aside, of left-wing political violence. That's why right now, after this leaked, there was an investigation that was announced into the leaker. The first thing the authorities said was not how do we prevent these attacks from happening in the future? It was not what inspired this attacker. No, no, no. The question was, hey, who let the cat out of the bag? Hey, who, who told that this was a left winger? That's why. Because we, we, this is only a partial release. But from the partial leak, we can see this is consistently left wing language. Not good stuff. Now, a little silver lining amid the storm cloud of a lot of terrible news would be delicious Good Ranchers. Right now, go to GoodRanchers.com, use promo code Knowles. You know, there's a lot at stake this November. So don't be chicken and shop at the grocery store like usual. Instead, you should seafood your way to... I, I lost it. I lost the thread. Go to Good Ranchers. Their Black Friday uh, Your Way sale is live. It's something you do not want to miss. They've got great meat puns. I've got great meat puns. They've got even better meat. This November, you get to pick your favorite meat to get free for a year. Pick a year of free steak, free salmon, free chicken, or free bacon when you subscribe to any box right now. Better yet, when you subscribe to any box on GoodRanchers.com, you not only get a free gift of meat worth up to $480, you also get 15 bucks off with code Knowles. I don't know how their finances work at Good Ranchers. I don't know how they source meat this good. It's just phenomenal. I eat Good Ranchers multiple times a week when I'm not traveling on the road. It, it's just magnificent quality. I've never had anything like it. The prices are unbelievable. And then they keep locking in your price and giving you stuff for free. And I don't know how they do it, uh, but you should sign up while you still can. Claim your year of free meat, 15 bucks off and free shipping with my code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, at GoodRanchers.com. Good Ranchers is the number one place to get all-American beef, pork, chicken, and seafood. That is promo code Knowles at GoodRanchers.com. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. You know, we made Jeremy's razors because we were fed up with all the nonsense being shouted from the woke libs. It's not just the razors. Degree, Dove, Native have all joined in the woke culture, but we're not here to complain. We're here to complain a little bit, but we're mostly here to create alternative quality products that match your expectations and resonate with your values. That is why we asked the obvious question after releasing Jeremy's razors. What do you want from Jeremy's next? You made it clear with no need for us to call in a specialized research team to find out what you wanted. You wanted Jeremy's deodorant. Okay, well, we're proud once again to give you exactly what you asked for. Introducing Jeremy's deodorant, keeping you safe from the unpleasant smell of liberalism. We stick to the ingredients you can trust and pronounce like cocoa oil, cocoa oil. It's coconut oil and shea butter, ingredients that make you smell great, but are not toxic to masculinity. With no room for aluminum, phthalates, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, talc or ads with unattractive models that no one needs to see topless. We care about what goes on your body. That is why our Jeremy's deodorant is made up of simple ingredients. No greasy surprises, no residue. It's all new. It's available right now. Go to jeremysrazors.com to get yours today. By the way, very exciting announcement coming this week. That's all I'm going to say for now. You know I'm a little bit of a tease when it comes to these things. Speaking of leftist sexual pathologies, 
The American Society for Reproductive Medicine, the ASRM, not to be confused with the ASMR, which is the American Society for Medicine about Reproduction. No, that's not, that would be the ASMR. This is the ASRM. They have redefined the term infertility. So what is, what is infertility? It used to be pretty simple, right? You're just, you're not able to conceive the natural way. Here's the new definition. Okay. Infertility is a disease condition or status characterized by any of the following. Okay. The inability to achieve a successful pregnancy based on a patient's medical, sexual, and reproductive history, age, physical findings, diagnostic testing, or any combination of these factors. So far, okay, it seems generally okay. The need for medical intervention, including but not limited to the use of donor gametes or donor embryos in order to achieve a successful pregnancy, either as an individual or with a partner. Okay. Okay, I'm getting a little weirder. All right. In patients having regular unprotected intercourse and without any known etiology for either partner suggestive of impaired reproductive ability, evaluation should be initiated at 12 months when the female partner is under 35 years of age and at six months when the female partner is at 35 years of age or older. Okay. That part seems generally okay. So hold on, let's go back a little bit. What is this Medical intervention, getting the need for donor gametes or donor embryos in order to, to achieve successful pregnancy because of your status and your sexual history. Okay, hold on, wait. Are you telling me that homosexuals are now considered infertile? Yes, the ASRM makes it clear. They say, this is according to uh, Jared Robbins, medical doctor, this revised definition reflects that all persons, regardless of marital status, sexual orientation, or gender identity deserve equal access to reproductive medicine. This inclusive definition helps ensure that anyone seeking to build a family has equitable access to infertility treatment and care. There it is. So there we get it. This gets to the very heart of the so-called gay marriage debate. I say so-called because one, gay marriage is not real. And two, there never was a debate. What was the debate? The debate was, what, you don't think that gay people should have the right to get married? That was, no, that was never the actual subject of the debate. A real debate over redefining marriage would first begin with the question, what is marriage? Does sexual difference have something to do with marriage? I talked about this last night at Cornell. I think it probably has something to do with marriage, doesn't it? Okay, well, if sexual difference is intrinsic to marriage, then... There's no such thing as gay marriage. There can't be. Because by definition, two men could not get married to one another and two women could not get married to one another. Homosexuals cannot be said to be infertile by their nature because two men never can produce a baby together. And two women never can produce a baby together. For all that the libs love to talk about the need for sexual education in the public schools, they don't seem to know the first two things about it. So why do they do this? They're doing this in part because they've accepted the premise that men and women are exactly the same and they're indiscernible and they're indistinguishable and they're totally uh, able to be substituted one for the other 
which is a premise not only of transgenderism, but also of the homosexual movement and the feminist movement. Uh, but furthermore, they're doing this so that when there is some medical right, whether through private insurance or through a government program, to reproductive health care, that they're going to offer it to the homosexuals and they're going to allow homosexual couples to purchase children like commodities, like they're going out to buy a handbag. And what they're going to do is thereby establish the domination of technology and of the state over the origin and destiny of human life. That's what it's about. Nobody is seriously confused by the meaning of infertility. No, nobody is, <laughs> no homosexual guy is going to the doctor saying, Doc, me and Billy, we've been trying for 10 years now to conceive a baby. It's just not working. You know, I mean, we're, we've tried it a bunch of different ways and there's no babies getting produced. Well, um, let's run some tests. I don't know, Bob, why you and Billy aren't able to conceive a child. No, everyone knows. Everyone knows that that's not how babies are made. So the left is doing what the left always does, which is to manipulate language, to attempt to redefine reality by changing the words. They, they think that they can change the meaning of the words, the thing that the words signify, and at the very least, they think they can fool everybody and force people to fool themselves. Nobody really is fooled. All that will happen is we'll live in lies and we'll all pretend and we'll invert society such that, well, at this very basic level, no longer are parents there to nurture their children, but actually the, the children are just there to nurture and entertain their parents. No longer are children the, the product of love between a mother and a father who, whose love is so real that it becomes another person, but the children are just something to be bought from scientists and the state, like a handbag or a new watch. Turning our attention now to very fertile people, Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden has a, a new op-ed in USA Today. Headline is, I fought to get sober. Political weaponization of my addiction hurts more than me. My struggles and my mistakes have been fodder for a vile and sustained disinformation campaign against my father and an all-out annihilation of my reputation. Hunter in USA Today. Okay. Here are the key parts. And this tells you a lot about where the Bidens are. He says, my struggles and my mistakes have been fodder for this vile and sustained disinformation campaign against Biden an all-out annihilation of my reputation through high-pitched but fruitless congressional investigations. Hold on, put a pause there. Fruitless? We got the smoking gun. We got the, we got the confirmation from you that you are the bag man for the Biden family, that you shake down leaders around the world selling American influence, that you get money from them, and then you pay at least 10%, if not 50% of it, to the big guy. And then we got confirmation from your uncles, from Joe's brothers, who send Joe money. When they shake down enough oligarchs, they send Joe money, sometimes that very same day, for hundreds of thousands of dollars without any other explanation than, here's your cut, big guy. Fruitless investigations. We know that you had these shady business deals wired to you using your father's address as the beneficiary address. Fruitless investigations. Fruit, totally fruitless. And more recently, he writes, criminal charges for possessing an unloaded gun for 11 days five years ago. Charges that appear to be the first of their kind ever brought in the history of Delaware. Yeah, you're, you were being charged for that. 
because the prosecutors were giving you a sweetheart deal to not charge you for any of the serious crimes. The serious crimes of public interest go way beyond the gun charge. The serious crimes of public interest go to racketeering. Serious crimes of public interest go to failing to register as a foreign agent. Serious crimes of foreign interest involve your father getting bribed when he was the vice president of the United States. These are these charges. These are trumped up charges. Yeah, because they didn't bring any of the real charges against you. This was the way to get you off the hook, bro. Then he goes on. And this is the key. What troubles me? Forget about me. It's not just about attacks on me, Hunter. No, no. What troubles me is the demonization of addiction, of human frailty, using me as its avatar, and the devastating consequences it has for the millions struggling with addiction, desperate for a way out, and being bombarded by the denigrating and near-constant coverage of me and my addiction on Fox News. More airtime than GOP presidential candidate Ron DeSantis gets. And in the New York Post, an average of two stories a day over the past year. Yeah, because the New York story, the New York Post broke the story, not just of your addiction and all the weird photos and videos that you put on your computer that you took yourself and that you left at this repair shop and it was suppressed by big tech, but of your crimes, your financial and political crimes. This op-ed to me is so desperate. For a man who, Hunter Biden's done a lot of desperate things, this to me seems like the, the most desperate example. They got this guy dead, and by they, I mean we, the conservatives, we've got this guy dead to rights on corruption. This is his last ditch ever to say, hey, it's, it's addiction. I'm suffering from a disease. Yeah, I, listen, I, I know addicts. Addiction is very hard. It's hard to get over addiction to alcohol or drugs. Or, but it's, look, we make jokes about it. You make jokes about political people. Oh yeah, this one's a little fat. This one's a little bit of a booze hound. This one's a womanizer. But it's, man, it's all of it. It's all of it. It's the, it's the hookers and it's the crack, sure. And it's the, but more than that, it's the, it's the painting. You took up painting and now you're selling your artwork for half a million dollars a piece for your doodles, your little doodles that you do that a five-year-old could do. I'm not making fun of your art, Hunter Biden. I'm making fun of your, of your graft. I'm making fun of your con. Because art collection, first of all, is one of the most prominent and well-known avenues for money laundering that there is. And nobody thinks that your ridiculous doodles are worth half a million dollars. It's obviously just a way to keep the con going. Now that you've got a little more attention on you and it's hard for you to go shake down CCP officials in China or oligarchs in Ukraine. But it's also the pitching up 10 for the, the big guy. It's also the introducing Joe to your business partner. And then Joe, your father, while he's vice president, saying to your business partner, I'm really glad you and Hunter hooked up. Yeah, that's good. I hope you enjoyed that lunch with the president of China today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hope you guys do good business together. It's your father calling into 20 plus phone calls. It's your father sending tens of thousands of emails under pseudonyms when he's vice president of the United States, many of which were, were to conduct business with your business partner and your shady overseas contacts. They got this guy dead to rights. And the best thing he can do is say, hey, you're mocking addicts. This is like John Fetterman. When John, anytime you criticize John Fetterman, he says, you're mocking stroke victims. Mocking stroke. First of all, man, people were mocking John Fetterman long before his stroke. Two, if you have had a stroke and you've, you're mentally debilitated, you should resign from the Senate. 
it's no knock on you. It's not to say you're an immoral person because you've had a health problem, but you're just not up to the job and you should resign. But three, no, one does not mock stroke victims broadly. One goes after you because you're a kid who, kid, he's a grown man, obviously now, but since he was a kid, he never really had that serious a job. He was getting handouts from mom and dad. He had a radical political agenda. He's not the working class hero he presented himself as. That's what people are. And whenever people knock him for any reason, he's, oh, it's, you're just knocking me for my disability. Same thing here with Hunter Biden, even more ridiculous from Hunter Biden. Okay. This is a story. Got to turn our attention away from bad fathers in politics, bad father-son combos to good father-son combos. There is a ridiculous attack right now on Mike Johnson, the new Republican Speaker of the House. Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone, one of the truly degenerate publications out there. Rolling Stone, which had to change its headline defaming me after the Daily Wire made legal demands of them and after a sitting United States Senator, Senator Mike Lee, uh, also said that I had a good case against these guys, these types of journalists. Rolling Stone changed a defamatory headline, so they don't have a lot of uh, journalistic credibility. Rolling Stone attacks Republican Speaker Mike Johnson for being a good father, which we'll get to in one second. First, though, speaking of health and raising your, your family and treating your body the right way, you got to go check out MediShare. Right now, go to metashare.com slash Michael. As a Daily Wire listener, you are not just informed, you're engaged and you're handsome too. You value freedom and personal responsibility. That's why you got to check out Metashare. Metashare is a community-based approach to healthcare that lines up with the principles you believe in. Your beliefs matter. With Metashare, your healthcare dollars won't be used for medical procedures that don't line up with your beliefs. Metashare is the highest rated healthcare sharing ministry with a 30-year proven track record it's not health insurance. It's a community of 400,000 believers committed to caring and sharing with one another. Members save up to 50% or more on their monthly healthcare costs, and member satisfaction surveys show that they like MediShare much more than health insurance. Why? Because it works. For a limited time, Daily Wire listeners will receive a $150 gift card when they join MediShare. To find out more, go to MediShare.com slash Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, that is metashare.com slash Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, and you will receive a $150 gift card when you join Metashare. Terms and conditions apply. My favorite comment yesterday is from the Drummer's Workshop, Norm's Music, who says, graduating from Trump University would be cool because you can say it was your alma maga. You know that I'm a sucker for a good pun. That's a very good pun. That's, that's another reason to, to promote the new American Academy initiative under Trump is then you can, some people, the libs have their alma mater and you will have your alma mager, maga. Rolling Stone runs this headline. They say, Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, admitted that he and his son monitored each other's porn intake in a resurfaced clip from 2020. Whoa, wow, man, that's gross and weird, isn't it? Wow, that's what kind of weird stuff is the Republican speaker into? What the, hold on, well, let's just listen. Because we have the clip. Here, here's what actually happened. 
Covenant Eyes is the software that I, I, we've been using a long time in our household. And what it is, it's accountability software. So uh, men in a church, you know, men's Bible study groups will do it. That's how it's presented at Promise Keepers. But they also mentioned, hey, when your kids become teenagers, especially if you have boys, dads, they're talking to the guys at this event, you might want to think about doing this with your sons. It scans, you, you obviously opt into it, but it scans every all the activity on your phone or your devices, your laptop, tablet, what have you. We do all of it. And then it sends a report to your accountability partner. So my accountability partner right now is Jack, my son, right? And so he's 17. So he and I get a report of all the things that are on our phones or all of our devices once a week. If anything objectionable comes up, your accountability partner gets an immediate notice. I'm proud to tell you my son has he's got a clean slate, all right? Yeah. But but we get we get a report and it says, hey, no no uh, activity of concern and it's really, really sensitive. It'll pick up almost anything. It looks for keywords, search terms, and also images. Oh, so, sorry. The actual story is good father discourages mortal sin and sets a good example for his son and then holds himself accountable in front of his son so that his son knows that he's not a hypocrite. Subjects himself to the same demands, moral demands that he's making of his son and allows his son to hold him him accountable if he were to violate them. So, So the actual story is this man is a good father, not doing weird sex stuff at all and discouraging his kids from being weird sex stuff. And the absolute degenerates, these people at Rolling Stone, who I have to imagine have just burned out their brains on such an extraordinarily high degree of porn consumption. <laughs> they, the way they read that is, duh, <laughs> Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, admitted, as though he, what, as though he regrets this or something? As though this is some dark confession? He's encouraging this. He is promoting this at a public forum. Admitted that he and his son monitor each other's porn intake. Uh, Quite the opposite, actually. They monitor each other's lack of porn intake because this man is a good father, by all accounts. He's well-formed, and he's raising his son in a good way. In a resurfaced clip, a research, like we, we had to dig this one up. I'm sure Mike Johnson would talk about this on the floor of the house. This is great. So the actual story here is that the current Republican speaker is an excellent parent. And the, and the story is, this is weird or gross or evil in some way. Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. Amazing. I, I, in a way, I want to give Rolling Stone the benefit of the doubt. I do suspect that on the physical level, their brains, and perhaps on the medical, metaphysical level, their souls, are so burned out by vice and a failure to repent and an unwillingness to repent that they just don't get it. They don't get that that's good. That's good. You know, these libs, they say, you should talk to your kids about porn. You should, we should have porn in elementary school libraries. We should encourage all sorts of weird sexual behaviors. Uh, no, that's the bad, that's the bad creepy one. That's the bad. If you want to be a good parent, do what Mike Johnson's doing. Speaking of our corrupt media, before we go, for years now, for years, we have heard that the war in Ukraine is the most important battle for democracy ever. That Ukraine, which we all thought of as a kind of corrupt oligarchy, former Soviet state, it 
This is the battle. It's basically the 51st U.S. state. All the American politicians need to start wearing Ukraine flags. Slava Ukraini. We will win. We've got to, if we don't defeat Putin in Ukraine, this will be the World War III because Putin's Hitler and he's taking Czechoslovakia now. He's going to take Poland and he's going to, he's Hitler. And then we just get this report out from NBC. U.S. and European officials have begun quietly talking to Ukraine about peace negotiations with Russia. To end the war, this is according to one senior U.S. official and one former senior U.S. official, which of course is happening. Some of us have been saying for a while now that at a certain point, they're just going to have to negotiate peace because Ukraine cannot defeat Russia. The United States could defeat Russia if we became hot, direct belligerents in the war. We could defeat Russia. Ukraine cannot. It is not possible. But they have that American transvestite as their spokesman. Yeah, that's not going to help them. But they have the, the flags, you know, on social media with the people. Right, that's not going to help them either. It is not possible for Ukraine on its own or even with significant support from NATO and from the United States to, to defeat Russia on the battlefield. It cannot happen. So finally, American and European officials are saying, all right, Ukraine, negotiate a peace. What was the point of the last two years? More than two years at this point? What was the point? What was achieved? A lot of Ukrainians died. And a lot of Russians died. And you actually heard some American politicians talk about this. They say, oh, this is great. We got to keep funding the war in Ukraine because we're just killing off the Ruskies. And that's really good. We're just killing them. We don't even have to kill them. We just send the weapons and Ukraine kills them. And a lot of the Ukrainians die too, but it's okay. At least we don't have to do it. But it's going to be the same result that it would have been two years ago. They're going to negotiate a peace. They're going to give Russia some territory. They're going to agree not to join NATO. They're probably going to agree not to join the European Union. They'll, they'll just probably be a buffer state. Presumably, Zelensky will have to be ousted, if possible. They'll, en they'll end up almost exactly where they were three, four years ago. What happened to the great battle for democracy? Imagine how quickly the narrative can change. We'll get to so much more. There's so much more that I want to get to, but I have to, I have to be a tease because we're on the road. I'm here in Ithaca. Ithaca is gorgeous, by the way. Hmm. Uh, Cornell was a great deal of fun and they're going to air that tonight, I think on the YAF YouTube channel. And then in the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. Bye. <laughs>